0: Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. Investors, as we all know, financing deals can be very challenging. If you are looking for funding for your next real estate transaction, we want to introduce you to Fund That Flip.
1: Flip is a lender that gets you fast, affordable capital on your one to four unit projects, including single family rental and new construction.
0: Ladies, we have known the founder, Matt, and his company for many years, and they are the real deal. So, Andressa, where can they learn more? Ladies, if you're looking for great terms and reliable service, check out fundaflip.com backslash investher. She was only 19 when she started in the construction field. Now, Jen Petrino is the co-owner and president of Tearview Development, where she oversees a $30 million portfolio comprising of several hundred thousand square feet of commercial, mixed use, and residential space. On today's episode, we cover so much with Jen, including the most critical qualities you must have in this business, how to get through zoning with less headaches, and the best way to evaluate if an opportunity is right for you. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show. Very excited to have you all back on this awesome journey that we're on with you to empower and help women live financially free lives and live balanced lives, if that's possible. And it is possible because that's what we're up to. (laughs) With this community and just all the things that we're in the conversation with women and trying to, you know, get better in our lives, right? That's what this is all about. So thanks for being on with us. Andressa, you're doing well. I'm doing well. How Good. about you? What's up? I'm, What's I'm doing on? well. I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. I wanted to kind of mention this at the beginning about the idea of celebrating wins mm. and how all of us, I don't know about you, Louise listening and you, Justin and, and Jen, welcome Jen, Jen to the show. We're going to jump into her story in a moment, but welcome, Jen, by the way. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Um, I, I wanted to mention celebrating wins because about six years ago, Matt, and my husband and I made the goal of wanting to move, you know, we had the goal, we, um, you know, we're big believers in the law of attraction, you know, we created like an image board and just, you know, we really had the intention of moving and different things happened. We, you know, had two kids and uh, all those sort of things and different things in our business. And that dream was still there and dream, dreamed that that intention was still there, but I, I didn't see it. I didn't see the home, you know, we didn't, we didn't have the result and today we're closing on our house and i'm really excited Yay! like yeah Congratulations. thank you thank you and it just i have to like it's so funny when you accomplish something you've wanted for a long time to not get caught into the okay what's next yeah and, you know versus like cuz i'm busy with packing my house i'm busy with moving we have it's a it's kind of like a mini renovation project which is up our alley but I haven't come getting contractors lined up. And I'm like, I got to stop today and just really get present that this was like something I've wanted a long time. I'm getting a little emotional. But, you know, it just goes to show you, the ladies listening, what can you celebrate? And when you accomplish, it doesn't have to be just a, a big thing, it could be a small thing, but when you get something that you've wanted, as small or as large, whatever it is, stop and celebrate it. Because if you don't celebrate it, you're just going to go on to the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. And it just becomes, you don't get satisfied. And I think I'm just becoming present to it. Cause I'm like, I've wanted this a long time and I'm going to celebrate yeah. this moment. You know? So I just hard, want to share though.
1: that. It, it, what, you're, what you're mentioning there. It's hard in terms of, it's not hard to do it, but it's hard to be conscious about it and make a decision to celebrate that. I see in myself to I don't stop to celebrate and even during our mastermind meeting this week we have our time to celebrate our wins and I was like okay w- let me look back and see it if I have any win and we all have several but we don't celebrate them therefore we kind of like dismiss and what you're saying is a typical example it's a and great I- you know, gold that you guys had and you're accomplishing it right now, not celebrating we're not, you will take the value out of it.
0: Yeah. And I think gratitude, right? So if you think about, okay, you could celebrate with a lot of ways, but, but just the essence of gratitude is a way to celebrate. So I wrote in my Gosh. journal this morning, just like, well, I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for this opportunity. I'm grateful for, for, for it all. So, so yeah, I just wanted Gosh. to share that. And congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So, with further, without further ado, Jen, thank you so much for being on our show and, uh, you know, to um, the ladies listening and obviously for, for us as well. You know, we like to kind of kick things off as we get into this conversation around, you know, what compelled you to begin, you know, to get involved in, in real estate investing and, you know, what propelled you? What was it for you that pulled you into this, into this business? So, you know, if you don't mind sharing that with all of us, that'd be great.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I actually, I started in construction, um, and I I started, um, more by accident than design. Um, I started gosh, back in 2003, I was going to college and working my way through school. And, um, my boyfriend at the time was working for a construction company and they were just completely overwhelmed. And he said, please, please, please come in and answer phones we desperately need someone um, and I came in the next day and really never left. So I spent almost a decade in construction working with different subcontractors, different general contractors, um, working building spec houses, working with developers um, and uh, then I got the opportunity in 2013 to transition into development and I had, you know, by that point in time, like I said, almost 10 years in construction. And it was a pretty easy transition going from the construction side to the, to the development side. So, um, again, somewhat more by accident than design. But mm-hmm. I have found so much of my passion in um, development and construction.
1: Wow. So you were on your 20s when you started.
2: I was actually uh, nineteen when wow. I started in construction. So look at that. So when you when you when
1: you look back, and I don't know many nineteen-year-old or <laughs> even like early twenties or late twenty ladies that are in construction and have that background that you acquire by being in the business for so long. And walk me through the knowledge that you acquire and how getting into the business such an early age helped you to develop what you have now?
2: Sure. I I mean, starting as early as I did um, was a little bit of a double-edged sword. So coming in at 19 in the early 2000s, um, you know, the construction industry is a very slow-moving industry. It it, um, still is an industry that's Predominantly men, um, so nineteen-year-old me uh, was a little bit of a shock. So um, I, I was um, really excited to to learn. A lot of what I learned in the first couple of years was more operational about running a business, um, running a small business, um, which has been incredibly crucial as I've worked my way through my professional career development is uh, for the most part a, a small business it, it never really stops being entrepreneurial so uh, all that experience that I had from a very young age was really super helpful so the the company that I started working with answering phones when I was 19 I was practically running by the time I was 21 so um, I just sort of Kept taking on more and more responsibility as I saw things that could be improved or things that uh, weren't going as well as I thought that they should. I just sort of gathered up responsibilities. It wasn't really until I was in the business for Gosh, three or maybe even more years before I really started uh, getting into the specifics of construction and started taking over some of the bidding and the scheduling um, I really didn't start reading plans until I was maybe six plus years in when I started working with um, a couple of different general contractors. And it's still not, um, even after having spent 10 years in construction, there's still so much more that I need to learn. I'm, I work with a general contractor now who just blows my mind with the things that he sees. But I have enough knowledge in order to walk a job site and speak intelligently and meet with architects and things like that. And um enough to really be dangerous, <laughs> yeah. um, enough to be productive and, and useful also.
0: Jen, you know, it's interesting, you know, you, th- you think about that transit that transition, you said you were answering phones, and within two years, you were actually running the company that you were answering the phones for. As a, as a early 20 year, you know, in your early 20s. I mean, that's, that's really remarkable. So let's, let's talk about that for a moment. I mean, what in your approach or so you're answering the phones what was the first opportunity that gave you this idea of this business could be running differently or what was that first project because I think that's the big thing that limits sometimes us all of us in taking the next step right and, sure. and, and we're, we're here we want to be here and and how do we get there right that's that's kind of I think a big conversation so for you you're answering phones you're in the midst of this construction company what propelled you to see an opportunity, not just see it, but then actually take action and, and move yourself towards it. So I'm just curious to understand a little, a little bit.
2: Sure. Um, you know, I, I wish I had a great reason other than being nosy and bossy, but I really don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Those are good reasons.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I mean, I, um, you know, there, something that I talk to my partner about a lot is, um, there's this beautiful ignorance that exists when you're young and you're early on in a certain career where you don't understand how much of a risk that you're taking until yeah. much later. Um, and that's really the case here of um, I had no idea quite how nosy and how bossy I was until much, much later. Um, and it, it was it was somewhat of that ignorance and arrogance of youth that allowed me to um Really just kind of dive in there and start telling people what to do. Um, I had worked for several large retail companies, um, Victoria's Secret, Crate and Barrel, Abercrombie, um, at, before I started working in construction. So I had, um, some level of awareness of what large corporations thought of as good business and how to go about things. And I saw how dysfunctional this small business was and mm. you know the lack of controls. And then, so there was some level of insight there, but it was also just listening to the clients that I was talking to, listening to the construction workers that worked for the company. And they had a lot of really great ideas and they had a lot of insights in how things were not running well, maybe not necessarily ideas on how to fix it, but they, they, they could identify where the holes were. Um, and, and there was certainly a lot of trial and error, um, a lot of things that didn't go nearly as well as I thought that they would. Um, things that were great on paper, but just didn't play out. And uh, I, I was lucky, I, I had a boss who gave me a lot of freedom and a lot of encouragement and um, a lot of responsibility at a very young age.
1: Wow, I think that's that's a blessing when you yeah. don't know what you don't know and oh you just go for it.
2: Yes. Yeah. Right? Yes.
1: Yes. Cause you don't have the fears and and then you just go as if that's exactly what you're supposed to do. And I'm a big believer on that. So walk me through that's what that was the scenario at the beginning. How is your life, your business life right now? How how does that look like? <laughs> When I heard the numbers that you have on your pipeline, I was like, how are you not getting insane (laughs)
2: yet? Yeah.
1: That was my question. So talk talk to the ladies that are listening about what's going on in your business at this moment.
2: Sure. So um, currently we have nine completed projects. I think it's nine. I might be off. I think it's right around there. Um, And we have five active construction sites, um, three of which are wrapping up within the next 30 to 60 days, and then two others that just got started. Um, We have about 75 stabilized rental units, predominantly Mm -hmm. here in Philadelphia, but one building in Austin, Texas. And uh, between the units that we have that we just started and the rest of our pipeline, we have About another 250 units that we're going to be delivering over the next 18 to 24 months if we stick to our current schedule. Got it. So
1: the projects that are under construction at this moment, are they single families, multi or commercial?
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, So they are all um, either just residential multifamily or mixed use. So it's predominantly multifamily.
0: And Jen, you've done some really neat, I was, you know, looking at your website and just doing some, some research, you've done some really neat conversions, right? I saw, I think a church, right? And I saw the picture of it and I'm like, wow, that does look like a church. Like, you know, you yeah. kind of, and, you know, you see this now where, you know, it's re, you know, especially in, in, in cities and those, those very, um, you know, those, those areas that would warrant, you know, this type of these type of development opportunities. So I'm curious, you know, what, what's been the, the craziest development you've done? You know, not craziest, but like what's the most interesting development that your company has done or you've been involved in? Um, and sometimes it's those things that we just didn't know could be something else. So I'm sure you have different eyes than most people because most people don't see what you probably see. That's what makes uh, you very, very successful. So what's been like the project that's kind of, you know, been the most intriguing to you and in, in your path here?
2: Sure. So, I mean, you, you mentioned the church, that's definitely been my passion project. Um, so it was, um, originally built in 1855. Um, the land I think was actually purchased from one of the descendants of John Adams, one of his family tree. And it was from 1855 to 2014 continuously operated by the same denomination. Wow. wow in 2014. It never changed hands. Um, So when we purchased the church, um, let's see, we made our first offer in February of 2014. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We made our offer February 2015. And then because of title issues. Um, there was a uh, least pendants on the property from a person who had previously tried to purchase it. So, I mean, just working through all the different craziness, some of which had to do, um, the actual deed was handwritten from 1855. Wow. So we had to bring in a handwriting expert in order to read the deed. Wow. Um, oh my it was something called a ground rent on the parcel that is different than a ground lease. It's super, super complicated. We didn't actually bring it to the settlement table until May of 2016. So almost what was that 16 months in order to work through all the problems. Um, And then when we finally did close on it, um, the building looked like the church had just stopped operating the day before. The Mm. pews were still in place. Um, There were Bibles just sitting left open. It was really like um, original stained glass from the 1800s. Um, It had been renovated in the 1920s. So they had actually covered over the old frescoes and put up tin ceilings. So it just so much amazing character in the building. And um, we worked with an architect who's a local here in Philadelphia. They're right in Northern Liberties. And they had a beautiful concept for the structure to really work with um, the look and feel of it without changing it too much, yeah. which is really, really important. Um, I didn't want we, we could have gone in and, and built boxes inside the building, but I wanted something that would still have um, the sense that you were walking into a really beautiful old building. And uh, so we started construction on that in December of 2017. Oh, we had to go through the zoning process. We had multiple. What meetings. a fun process! Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of pushback from the neighborhood. Interestingly enough, I was I was very surprised. Mm. Um, what was their were, their their concerns? They were very concerned about the parking. So. Okay they had very simple math. So it was it was legal for four single family homes. And we were we told them from the very beginning, um, it's 12 units or it's nothing. That was what the math worked out to. It was 12 apartments or nothing. And, And I went in with this whole idea, this sort of grand concept of, you know, we're going to be very straightforward with the neighborhood and we're going to tell them exactly what we need. We're not going to go in and try and negotiate, you know, very, very, very transparent. And um, so <laughs> with 12 units, they heard 12 cars with four houses. They heard eight cars. And mm-hmm. so they took the eight cars over the 12. That was the math that they ultimately mm-hmm came to. And uh, so they kept trying to bargain us down. Oh, what you you know, would you accept eight units? No. Would you accept 10 units? No. You know, we've said from the beginning that we need 12 units or nothing. So uh, we ultimately went to the ZBA and we did Mm -hmm. get approval from the zoning board to do the 12 units. Um, Started construction in December. uh, Spent about $250,000 just reinforcing the structure itself. Mm,
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask about that because it's so old and who knows. Once I found horse hair in one of my, seriously, and the I brought the engineer in and I was like, what is this here? Is, is there a body here? Like, oh, I should be concerned? I know it's South Philadelphia. Like, well, <laughs> this is horse hair and don't wow. touch it. Like, leave it, leave it, don't touch it. It's, it's structurally sounded, so leave it. But that was in one wall. A church, you have so many huge structures
2: yeah. to deal with. Yeah and and we were building inside the structure so we actually had to rip out the entire existing ground floor and pour new footings so we could have bearing walls inside the structure so the exterior structure wasn't sound enough for us to actually bear on it so we built a structure within a structure and um, so so $250,000 later uh, we were able to actually start the, the construction work itself. And um, as of today, we are almost completely rented. So oh, there awesome. we go. Oh, yep. That's so cool. Jen, you know,
0: a lot of people, cause I've, we've, we've gotten involved in, in development as well. And it, it's a process. It's a long process. And, you know, for the, for the ladies listening and maybe considering development or, or taking their current kind of projects to a different level you're working, you've worked with zoning, you've worked with the local community. What are tips that you can tell them? What are some things that you wish you would have known as, you know, through your journey? And obviously, you know them now because of the size and, and, and level of, of complexity of the projects you're working on. But if, you know, if somebody's listening to this and, and, and embarking on, they see that eyesore, on a block and they're like, you know, that could be amazing. Oh, I don't want to deal with zoning. I don't want to deal with this. So they just pass it by. So what kind of words of encouragement or tips or strategies can you say to them or we can give them to say, well, here's some things when you're dealing with zoning and you're dealing with the local community that you've learned?
2: Sure. So I mean, before I even go to the specifics of dealing with the zoning and the local community, I want to actually go back to what you started the conversation about, which is celebrating wins. I think it's so incredibly important. And one of the things that I think is really uh, very, very important to know when you're first getting into this business is that um Above and beyond specific knowledge or uh, having capital or anything like that, this business takes tenacity. Um, you, you're gonna get so many slaps down, so many kicks when you're down. Um, <laughs> tenacity is the word for it. Sometimes one of those wins that you need to celebrate is just getting through a rough day. You know, um, dignity, integrity, those things are so incredibly important. Um, I, I've told people if you're the type of person that, um, is easily discouraged. This isn't the business for you. You've mm-hmm. got to be able to, to take those hits and keep on coming. So um, that's, that's the first one that I would say is just kind of hang in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as dealing with zoning and the neighborhood. Um, unfortunately, You know, the, these neighborhoods um, some neighborhoods are more sophisticated than others. Um, so when you're dealing with neighborhoods like Sasna or Fishtown, who um, they've seen a lot of development projects come through, they speak the language, uh, they know what we're looking for, uh, they know the things that neighborhood uh, RCOs have control over and, and what they don't. So um, specifically zoning issues. So zoning issue would be like, um, can I add an extra story? Um, can I have a pilot house or a roof deck, things like that? How much parking do I need? Um, zoning shouldn't be talking about what color brick you're gonna use or if you're gonna have metal panel or things like that. Those are those are design issues. Um, but in a, a less sophisticated neighborhood, you're going to end up getting people that are asking questions. Um, and, and there's a level of education that can take place there. Um, but unfortunately, um, I think it's really just important to understand what the neighborhood's concerns are, which is their longtime residents and their concern that their neighborhood is changing and that they don't have any control over it. So it's just being very sensitive to that. And and even if it's something that you can't change or you don't have control over, just hearing their concerns and being aware of them. Um, And then the zoning board uh, (laughs) depends upon what they had for breakfast. That is so that, true. That is it the is truth. Is so true. <laughs> so I, I would just say that um, be prepared. They their their questions quite often are are very straightforward. Sometimes you'll get something that feels a little bit out of left field. Um, but if you know your project, uh, you know the design um, owners always 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 should go and participate as much as possible. Um, and advocate for your project. Um, there's definitely something to be said for for passion. So, um, yeah, I, I guess that's all the advice I could give.
1: Yeah, I I wanna um, just uh, tap a little bit on what you're saying about having a community that they are sophisticated. Correct me if I'm wrong. When when you were saying sophisticated, you were mentioning about their knowledge regarding real estate code and rules and that type of thing. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because what we have found, ladies, is that when we go to the community, some members of the board or the community itself have no knowledge about real estate and sometimes it doesn't make even sense. We shouldn't even be discussing that. And I have a funny example. (laughs) Um, So we have a... Just one, Andres? That's all you have? (laughs) (laughs) One of them. This is, like, pretty funny because I... I got a little shocked. I was like, I have no idea what he's talking about. So I also went to so many, you know, uh, community meetings with that mentality. They're going to love this because I, I live in this community. I care about it. I'm not here to just, you know, change things around and it was, it is a triplex. The bottom was a candy store in 1950s. I still found candies around when I purchased. So crazy. So not a good spot for a commercial. So we were converting only the bottom unit into a rent, uh, residential unit. So I was like, right? Pretty straightforward. Nothing crazy. And then one of the community members um, raised his hand and he said are you keeping that chicken coop that you have <laughs> in your roof and then i was like a, wh- a what I was like, I, I'm not understanding. Sorry, English is not my first language. Maybe I'm just not hearing it right. And then one of the, the board members who was an architect, super nice guy, he started laughing like hysterically. And then I was like, I'm not understanding. And he's like, sir, that is not a chicken coop. That's what we call pilot house, <laughs> right? So we get, that's how people get out into their, their roof deck. He's like, okay. I just had that question. So he said down and everybody wrote it against that. And then I was like, so I'm not understanding. So you guys want commercial? No, we don't want commercial. I was like, okay, so you don't want residential. You don't want commercial. Kind of like I'm limited here. So you want to leave it as it is. No, it's falling apart. We don't want to leave it as it is. I was like, okay, so I think our conversation is over. And then we went to the uh, ZBA and it was, totally fine. But you've got to have this, you know, line of thinking that is just not predictable as you think it will. It's not Mm -hmm. rational as you think it will. People are concerned about parking and different things. So it's always this this community feel that you need to understand their concerns or try to understand their concerns and just move forward. It's just business and you are trying to improve the community and that's that 's my my point,
0: yep yeah, no, absolutely, and I, I love that, Jen. Sometimes you just want to listen to people, and that 's what you have to do, yeah you, know, you can 't do everything they want, but you want to listen and empathize and know that, know that you 're hearing them, you really yeah. and, and you know that, that's something there 's something to be said for that, even if you can 't do with exactly what they want yeah. um, now that 's great and so so, Jen, I want to jump into
1: the. Uh, analyzing a deals. I'm sure you come across a lot of, a lot of deals on your table and underwriting a deal. um, It takes a lot of time. So I want to, to, for the ladies that are listening now and are developing, what are the items that you are looking in a deal? What are the rag flags? Where are the deal breakers? What makes a deal a deal for you?
2: Mm -hmm. Um, you know in some ways it is complicated I, I i don't want to say that it's not but um what i would say is to identify what your strengths are um and and to be able to boil down what your investment criteria is to say anywhere between 5 and 10 points and to be really really rigorous in your application of that criteria so if your strength is construction, you can build for below market, then you, know, you, you, you can you run, run your model based upon that. If your strength is um, knocking on doors and buying things that are really um, a discount to market, then your investment criteria is probably going to have something to do with that we've gone through an exercise um and and are still going through it and still trying to learn about um what kinds of deals that we're trying to target and um we've come up with About eight different bullet points of how much we want to pay per door locations and those locations have to do with walk score transit score bike score location to a major supermarket location to a major transit stop Um, and then, of course, we also look at return metrics on the deal. So every person Um, Every developer has a different metric that they focus on. So some developers focus on IRR, some developers focus on cash on cash. Mm -hmm. Um, And and just uh, I, I would say knowing what your threshold is and what you feel comfortable with and don't deviate. It's so easy in this business to say, oh, that almost fits or I could stretch for that. And it's when the market changes, when you're halfway through that project that you get stuck. So um, you, you can be wrong later and say like, oh, I didn't understand that criteria. That's fine. But it, I would say understand your criteria of what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it and just stick with that. Even if it feels like you're not doing any deals for a long time, that's probably a good, a good thing.
0: Yeah no absolutely and i just to you know just jump jump into that conversation that's amazing kind of like recommendations for analyzing the, a deal that's that's stuff you can actually do to find a deal and to yeah. really because yeah. you know i'm having this conversation with um, my husband we're, we're teaching a webinar a, on um finding apartment building deals yeah. and people people will say oh what kind of apartment building you're looking for and people are like uh, a, a lot of units, you know, <laughs> where, where are you looking? Oh, anywhere, anywhere, <laughs> hot market. Okay. Like, you know, when you start talking to people and you know who's serious and who's not like someone who answers questions like that, I'm like, okay, that's, you heard a podcast and now you want to invest in a farm building. <laughs> that's awesome. But, but if you go up to someone and say, what do you look, what kind of development deals you're looking for? And you're able to list out your strengths, your investment criteria, your target market, the type of properties you, you know, the type of projects you do, yep. people are going to take you seriously, you yep. know, they're like, Whoa, okay. This person is clear on what they're looking for. Right. I got to take them seriously. So, so right. really, yeah. So to find people, to find deals, you have to, you got to have that criteria lock and load ready to roll.
2: So true. I, I mean, and, and I personally do most of my acquisitions through brokers. We do very little acquisitions directly through with owners So in order to have that investment criteria and to communicate that to brokers, bring me everything that fits within this set of blocks, that's this, you know, this price, this number of square feet, bring me any of those, and you've got an offer on the table in 24 hours. That's how you make brokers work for you, and that's how you're going to be the first one that they bring things to, is if you can be very, very clear. Um, because that's, that's a problem, especially when you're getting started in this business is establishing relationships with brokers, unless you have a skill and you can go out and, and knock on doors and create acquisitions that way, which is a skill that I'm, I'm so impressed by, but I, I just don't have the time and I'm not sure that I have the knack for, but, um, having brokers call you and let you know when they have something that's interesting is, is so crucial to this business.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I can't say that enough. I love that. And it's, you know, that that, those metrics are going to help you analyzing the deal, getting to the offer, as well as finding them. So that's just great, Mm -hmm. great advice on on all those fronts. Um, Jen, you've been awesome. I'd love to spend another hour. We'd love to spend another hour with you. We're going to have you back on. Um, Where can ladies listening to this um, find more out about you, the great work you're up to, the pictures, by the way, on your website are amazing. So, you know, if you guys are looking for design ideas and, you know, Jen Jen and her team are are phenomenal at that.
2: So, um, you can contact me directly through our website, which is tierviewdevelopment.com or you can email me directly at Jen at tierviewdevelopment and that's Jen with two N's just in case.
1: Great. And all this information you can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. Are you ready, Jen?
2: Yes, I'm ready. All right.
1: The first one is, what's the most transformational book you have ever read?
2: You know, um, Creativity Inc. It's the Pixar story. Um, I absolutely loved the way that they talked about creating an environment that Allows for creativity and a high level of collaborativeness, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but still in a structured environment that has, like, clear set goals. Beautiful. The
1: second question is, what's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life?
2: Ooh. Um I'll answer that with two things I've actually already said. So so one is the investment criteria, knowing what my strengths are, knowing what our wheelhouse is. And the second thing is just tenacity, getting up every single day. And, and you know, even if yesterday was a terrible day, today is going to be a great one. Awesome. The last
1: one is which women, famous or not, has inspired you the most?
2: Oh, gosh. Ugh. Oh, I don't even know. Um, how do I, you know what? I, I, I probably am going to have to say my grandmother. Um, my, she was not, um, she was never much of a career woman, uh, but she married my grandfather at 19. Um, she was, a I, a young girl in England and met my grandfather during the war an American GI and they, uh, met and married after three months and she left her home and moved from England to San Francisco and left her entire family behind. And this is in 1945. So the likelihood of seeing her family again was very low. Um, and, uh, she made a life for herself and, uh, the smartest, classiest, most impressive woman who always had this amazing um, you know, smile on her face, quip, uh, make you laugh, and uh, that that sort of indomitable spirit. She was that was her, and and always managed to do it with painted fingernails and her hair done perfectly. I'll, I'll never figure out how she did it. But, um, <laughs> She, she set the standard in tough, classy ladies for me.
0: Wow. What a beautiful story. Yeah, that's really neat. I have this image in my head, you know, it's a great, great, <laughs> yes. great lady. Uh, Jen, thank you so much for being on our show. Thanks for sharing your great story, your insight, your uh, you know, path to what you're up to and all the wonderful things you're doing with the ladies listening and, and our Invest her community. So thank you for, for all your great, you know, knowledge and, and great suggestions.
2: My yes. pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me again.
0: Great talking to you, Jen. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community and get updates on upcoming episodes.